On this episode of AV Week, Samsung opens a brand new B2B website, the future of the metaverse in AV, and why AV users should pay attention to NAV this week. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 608, recorded Friday, April 14th, 2023. No clothes. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have got this week, first and foremost, Willie Franklin, Formerly of Otterbein, but still an incredible AV industry veteran. Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you, Tim. Good to be with you. Good, good to see you again, sir. You're looking fantastic. Retirement suits you well, uh, as they say. I like it. I'm sure you do, and I'm, and and once I get there, I'm certain I will too. Um, also with us, staying up late, uh, at least for him, uh, an old friend of ours, uh, Mr. Justin Dawson, all the way from Ireland. Welcome, sir. It's great to be back, Tim. Really great to be back. Good to see you. Good to see you. If you're watching the video, uh, Justin has, of course, an Irish version of of, of my uh, SM7B. It is MV7 uh, all greened out for him. So not that this was not a sure commercial, although they are a sponsor. So we, we thank them. Uh, first story comes to us. A couple different angles. Uh, AV, AV Network, uh, first and foremost, Canon is unveiling a new lens series at NAB. NAB stands for the National Association of Broadcasters. Happens this week. The series includes six lenses ranging from 16 millimeter to 200 millimeter and is designed to perform high quality optical performance for cinema, broadcast, and live events. Lens features a new coating technology that improves contrast and reduces flares. I mentioned the fact that they're unveiling it at NAB this year. NAB happens in Las Vegas uh, every year. It is the big, uh, the, the big North American show for the broadcast technology uh, associated with broadcast technology uh, industry. Willie, I'm going to start with you on this. NAB is is returned, just like a number of other shows. Uh, Justin was at ISC earlier this year in February. Uh, CES happened, and, and it seemed to be the numbers were up on that. Uh, a bunch of us are going to head to Orlando and go to Infocom in June. How important is NAB? How important is the broadcast segment to the AV industry and to the end users? That's a very good question, Tim. And I will try to qualify my answers in saying we're living in a time where everybody seems to be a video producer. Uh, yeah. So NAB, any NAB, sorry, is invaluable to the end user. You know, when we think about the YouTubers out there, the content creators that are constantly generating some incredible content that's delighting our eyes and, and uh, delighting our senses, uh, to do so effectively means being plugged into what's happening in the industry and to generate ideas when it comes to being an influencer online these days. It also means networking, uh, meeting like-minded individuals and just diving in, sharing ideas. Um, I think NAB to some degree serves as a business incubator for those mm. people who are in the video production world, uh, when lots of new things hit the market, it is very exciting. But when you have the opportunity to talk and share that synergy with others who believe as you do, who produce as you do, or even exploring avenues of productions that maybe you have not considered, 
it's very empowering. It's very inspirational. So NAB for the end user uh, is kind of a, a rock show, if you will. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful institution that we all love, hate it, love it for some. But for the most part, I cannot imagine being successful in the industry without having the opportunity to attend a show like that and shake hands, gripping grand sessions galore, but shake hands, make friends, and establish incredible relationships uh, through that venue. All right, Justin, a number of folks will be there that we all are used to seeing at Infocom or ISC, depending on, on which show you go to. Folks like Sony, folks like Samsung, LG will be there, uh, and then Panasonic will be there in, in a big way. So how important is this show to the industry? I think, Tim, when you go to the likes of Infocom or ISE, you might have one hall that's dedicated to that type of live events, broadcasting, and of things. But then you go to a show like NAB, where everything is all about broadcast. And working in higher ed, I, I actually believe that I, I echo what Willie just said, really, that like. I, I watched a video and um, I'll, I'll try and give it to you for the show notes. NDI came out with a video a couple of months uh, previous and they, they just the introduction really caught me that we're not just using the red button now to record and video has changed. How much has video changed? And like, if you even just talk about the past decade um, that here we are doing this podcast. We're also using video with Riverside. Like we, you know, when you do an international call now, do you want to actually do an international call now by phone and just audio, or do you get on the likes of Zoom or MS Teams to do it? Video takes up so much uh, space and time in our daily lives. We can do video from our mobile phones. You, you know, a lot of the the influencers and reporters and media people at IC, they were just using their mobile phones going around on a gimbal. I I certainly was. I'm looking, like, I say, if there's two trade shows that I'm really looking forward to doing in the next, I say, two or three years. One is Infocom, the other one is NAB, because right. like, I have my broadcasting background, but uh, it's, you know, I, I, I signed some NDAs uh, only last week, so I'm going to plug my podcast here, but like, talking about bird dog and what they're bringing out as well um you know some of the stuff is going to revolutionize the whole uh broadcast industry both both broadcasting and also using these type of cameras in higher ed um and also live events they have some really cool stuff i know i'm, I'm plugging bird dog there but i also that's just one company out of many that that are i say this is a lot of stuff isn't unveiled really at ISE because they know it's going to be the big kahuna is at NAB. Would you agree? Well, and, and I would, and I want to bring something up here and, and ask you guys in general, what else do we come, expect to come out of this show? Because, because Willie, uh, Justin brought up something very important there, and that is, I'll bring up AV over IP, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of folks in, in the AV industry will say, oh, you know, AV, AV over IP is this relatively newfangled technology. Granted, it's been about 10 years. Broadcast has been doing this for almost 20, not quite, don't don't at me, but but almost 20 years with the likes of Everts and, and others. And now you've got the push into, into SMPTE 2110, which is also pushing into the world of AV. So talk for a second about what else we expect to come out of this show. Oh, man. I wish I could put an engineer's hat on and answer that with greater details other than yeah. to say video is 
very complex. Um, there was a lot of data there to compress and shoot down that pipe without gobbling up a ton of bandwidth. And to do so effectively can either be or uh, make the difference between win or lose when it comes to that race uh, for market share. When I think about what's happening in the industry and the fact that we can, as, as Justin said, you can live stream from almost anywhere with a simple camera. Uh, and if I can sidetrack for just a little bit, Tim, just thinking about the height of the pandemic, uh, my B DJ business was not as busy, but one of the consistent requests that I was getting is, can you live stream my wedding? Uh, because yeah. I have family who can't attend. Uh, so again, what, what does that mean? From a bandwidth allocation standpoint, when you walk into a facility that has not been designed for a lot of network traffic because they've been designed to, to host a banquet, to host a wedding, uh, a social gathering, a, a corporate retreat, if you will. And now you're having to retask that whole framework just to facilitate video. Uh, so again, I wish I could talk about the data that allows a compression of video and audio to just fly across our networks and create this sense of magic. Um, but I don't have the engineer's cap to speak uh, with any sense of confidence in that. One, one thing yeah. that like was on that NDI video that I, I was speaking about earlier, Tim, is like a stat, 82% of IP traffic is video, 82%. That's, that's massive. Like, and then when you think about it, it's like, that's, I don't know, does that include just streaming or is that the fact that you you have, you know, the the normal non-AV person that's recording uh, a video on their phone, sending it through on WhatsApp or any of these platforms that are capturing. We have to just, like, I, I spoke with, on, on my podcast with Ron Epstein about this from Epifan. And it's like, you just, we've gone past the stage of video just being video recording, pressing the red button yeah. or being, you know, it's live. It's a commodity now that, the normal Joe Soap can just take out a mobile phone or cell phone and, and record a video or be live streaming. And that, as Willie said, the IP traffic, I think that's going to be important. I think, you know, NAB has to look at that. They have to look at the security of of what's going over. And, of course, the, the key words that was coming out of ISE a lot when I was there is the green aspect of how much yeah. data are we pushing through these pipes and how can we make it less traffic going on on a network you know you know like we're talking about 4k and you're talking about 10 gig switches you know and you know does people want to to stream 4k or is 1080p enough you know and, and, and that's another argument for it that's a whole other yeah um i i would say really quickly 86 percent is a huge number but you've got i mean like 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 justin said if I'm calling overseas, I'm not picking up the phone. I am going to use, you know, Microsoft or Zoom or something like that. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> next story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. Hype around the metaverse has led to many job losses in that industry. As companies rush to invest in the metaverse, they are also facing financial challenges and struggling to generate revenue. Uh, this has led to many layoffs with companies such as Meta and Roblox cutting hundreds of jobs in recent months. There is a need for companies to focus on creating sustainable business models that can support the growth of the metaverse in the long term. Justin, one of the popular things over the last two or three years, one of the buzzwords, as it were, was indeed Meta and the metaverse. Where it is metaverse now? What is the future of metaverse for AV? 
I said it to Joe Way a couple of episodes ago that we're beating a dead donkey with a stick. And it is. It's the metaverse is dead. Long live the metaverse. Oh, you know what? It's gone, Tim. I think we put uh, and Willie, we put it in the AV Hall of Fame of things that just didn't work out. Curved TVs never worked out. 3D TVs never worked out. The metaverse. Um, I I, I loved um the the quote that was from Forbes. The metaverse has become little more than a punchline to many people around the world of tech. To create a virtual world where it's only uh, your coworkers using goofy avatars. That's what it was. Like, we did have this type of goofy avatars with uh, second or third life, as it used to be called, yeah. back, back a, 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 nearly a decade ago. Why are we, were we trying to recreate the wheel? Why was Zuckerberg trying to recreate the wheel with the metaverse? You know, like, it's, it was like Facebook was losing attention. So, what can we do? We call it the metaverse. And people are going, the what now? You know, People and why I believe personally, there's been so many tech redundancies. Is all these companies jumped on this thinking this is going to be the next best thing, and behind the scenes, without anyone knowing, was AI. And my God, has AI come on, and now everyone's trying to catch up. Yeah. Zuckerberg only has two things now that I think work: it's WhatsApp and Instagram. Facebook yeah. is dead. The metaverse is dead. Long live the metaverse. It didn't last. That's my thought on it. <laughs> All right, Willie. Where, where is uh, is there? I guess is there is there a future? What is the future of the metaverse for AV? Uh, well, first, I, I love the analogy of beating a donkey, dead donkey, with a stick. A dead donkey, uh, not just a regular donkey, a dead donkey. Absolutely wonderful. You, you know, Justin. I'll be honest. I don't feel like I have much to add to that because you, you wrap that package very solidly. And really, the only thing I could think of when the question was initially asked and the subject was approached, uh, I found myself thinking about a mime. You know, you come across that mime on the street and he or she is pretending to be in a box and you can't see the box and you're not certain what the box is all about. For me, that's the metaverse, right? Um, that I scratch my head and I continue to ask, what is this all about? Because I'll be honest, when I see people engaging in gaming, when they're using augmented reality, when they're using their VR sets, it's a whole different level of interaction and engagement. I don't see, granted, I'm outside of the venue, but I don't see the scaled up utilization of that technology when I think about medical training, when I think about office interactions, when I think about even shopping or just allowing ourselves to breathe, to laugh, laugh by existing in second life type of technology. And I definitely remember second life and the hype because at the time, um, Audubon University's campus, we were at like our highest level of engagement with distance education. And one of the big drivers was our nursing department. And they were all about Second Life and really wanted to get that spun up. One of the crippling components to that for us as a university at that time was not having robust enough bandwidth or a large mm. enough pipe to support that. Yeah. Um, so again, when I look at what's happening in the industry, when I look at the number of tech layoffs, when I keep hearing whispers of the metaverse, I keep wanting to see the metaverse, like wanting to see the actual sides, top and bottom uh, of that box that the mime is in. So maybe, just maybe, 
the mime is trying to get the donkey out of the box. I, I like that analogy. And, and while, while you're talking about boxes, I think the, the closest that we're going to get to the metaverse is at ISE, uh, a couple of years back before COVID, they were testing it and people were it was getting people's attention. But this whole idea of the hologram box, you know, instead of, you know, instead of having a TV screen and doing, trying to do a hybrid approach when you might have a guest lecture in in a in a lecture theater and trying to bring it in by Zooms or Teams, this whole idea of the 3D image of a hologram box, I think if that design can be designed more clean that maybe you know at the moment it's it's very much it has a bezel around it and it looks like a box but if that can be made more 3d and you see that happening in live events and in concerts now where they're bringing and again they're bringing people through the powers of ai even dead singers you know that's that's the future Mm -hmm. i think if you're going to if you're going to try try and bend this metaverse and reshape it but the idea of like I'm going to wear goggles and I'm going to enter into a computer world. It's like, but people are real world here. You know, you need to have this XOR type of uh, augmented reality where it's there that you're not wearing goggles. I, I, I'm, I'm one of these people that just don't get VR unless you're playing games. Okay, yeah. so let me, let me bring this in for a second because um, the, the folks at ETC, which is, which is now what the, the CCUMC is called here in the States, it, it's, a, it's a great organization of... Uh, you know, tech managers and, and, and um, uh, education and, and college and university, um, uh, you know, technology managers. They did a presentation this last week in which the, the folks at USC showed off their Art19 box, which is what Justin is referring to there. Art19 is a, is a technology that lets you do a 3D-ish, right? It, it, is, it is a version. It, it's a, it, it is a, a, a trick, right? It is not true 3D, mm-hmm. but it looks like it. Right, and and you can do it live. Uh, I mean, like Gary Kay and at, at the, uh, from from Rave did a, a presentation at at a uh, at an Almo um, E4 event, um, uh, Almo um, uh, and Exodus E4 event uh, a couple of years ago with with that on stage. Right, and it takes a special uh, muslin type um, uh, screen to be projected on for the live thing. There is also a version that is is a self-contained box mm-hmm. um, that the, the folks at USC have installed. Is it Justin or or, or Willie? Either one. Is it the fact that it, it's that that needed appliance on our head, appliance on our face? It, it goes back to the, to the failure of the Google Glass, right? Mm-hmm. Is it that that we think is is the issue for Metaverse, or is it something other, wholly different that that caused the, the failure here? I think it's the word. I think people just like you know what, <laughs> oh, what, man. what 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 is the metaverse? You know, it's like at least we can say what is the World Wide Web. You know, it's you know or you know what is AI? We can we can identify it and we can sum it up very quickly. But what is the metaverse? It was like as if Zuckerberg got all his team into a room and going, "We're losing money here, people. We need to have a new toy to play with." Uh, it's you know I'm going onto a stage in ten minutes. What what word can we? Oh, let's use the metaverse. You know it. Yeah, I it people didn't know what the metaverse was. It it existed way back. It was Second Life. It didn't catch on then. They should have known it wasn't going to ca- catch on now. That's, <laughs> I'm really beating this dead donkey. <laughs> Justin may very well be a pessimistic Irishman. I'm just going to say. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, Justin, I think basically what you're saying is the emperor has no clothes. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, what is the metaverse? I, I think the whole branding of that, I wouldn't say was a miserable failure uh, because it certainly worked its way into the lexicon of American dialect and world dialect. Yeah. Uh, but in a larger sense, I think a lot of us really do struggle to define it um, and identify it when we see it, right? Uh, I'm still trying to spot a person uh, in this world who actually still owns and maybe utilizes Google Glass. Yeah, I, I don't either. No, uh, I'm sure we could find it at a, at a uh, pawn shop somewhere. Um, all right. Last story. Samsung Electronics is expanding its online stores dedicated to B2B business to business customers in 30 countries worldwide really quickly. Not in the States. And I don't believe, Justin, not in Ireland yet. But stand, stay tuned. The store offers a wide range of products, including displays, mobile devices, and IT solutions, as well as customer support services. The expansion is aimed at providing a more convenient and efficient way for B2B customers to purchase Samsung products. The expansion of the B2B stores is part of Samsung's broader strategy to strengthen its presence in the enterprise market and increase its revenue from B2B sales. Willie, I'm going to start with you. If you were still a tech manager at Otterbein, what does this direct to consumer to consumer? What does direct to Otterbein option mean to you? Um, I would love that in all due honesty. I'm a big proponent of uh, business to business sales. Um, I like the security of it, uh, first of all. Um, from a standpoint that you know you sell it to me, you know I'm gonna pay you. We've we've yeah. developed that relationship. Uh, if I'm a medium size or small to medium sized business and I'm engaged in business-to-business -business sales, uh, that's going to allow me to bolster a better credit uh, as a business owner uh, that I can get out there. The aspect of security, and, and I'm talking security from a standpoint of uh, market share. Okay. If I'm dealing with a, a reseller, uh, a Samsung reseller, and that seller, that rep is trying to convince me that this is the product of choice. These are the things that you want to implement in your business. Uh, he or she may tell me that uh, XYZ companies similar to my own are buying and implementing this. This is the latest trend. But what if I wanted to be the trendsetter as a company? If I go business to business, now I'm dealing directly with that supplier and, and I'm buying and I'm retooling my shop so I can be the trendsetter. Um, my competitors need not know what I'm developing. Uh, that's not necessarily the case if I'm working with a rep who's that reseller and is sharing what may be very confidential statements between that seller and the business, but now I know what your company is doing and what my other competitors are doing because this individual has just shared how many volumes of that tool or widgets that they've sold because it's the latest and greatest thing. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It's to me, it makes perfect sense. It's one more opportunity to take more ownership of who I am as a business, what I'm providing to my customers, and I think from a cost standpoint for Samsung, perhaps it could be a huge marketing savings. Because now you're developing a website that appeals to a larger mass of people as opposed to uh, developing unique advertising campaigns to try to uh, appeal to a variety of business sectors or individual uh, clients. So yes. it, right now, it appears to be a win-win. All right. 
Justin, same question is what, what does this mean for end users, but also a little bit up, up, up the stream there are the distributors as well as, as well, he says, you know, the dealers who today currently, at least in the States and in, in parts of the EU are that go between are the ones who, who are those dealers for Samsung products. That makes it really difficult, Tim. Like here, here in Ireland with our, our university, we have a contractor that's been assigned and won the tender. So we have to go through them as the middleman all the time. And we know, like, we, we could have these conversations with AV companies and we know the list price. And then we see the additions that, you know, myself and my colleague go, we could really install this ourselves. Or we, if we got, if we bought this, we're going to save a lot of money. You know, especially when budgets are so tight in higher ed at this, in, in, in this type of climate that we're in with and crisis that we're in with, with wars going on, tech, com- you know, I think, that it's a great move by Samsung because, you know, we're hearing all the time about tech job losses. This has to go hand in hand with the tech job losses of going, how can we have, as Willie says, the better customer relationship with the end user direct instead of having having a middleman in, in place? Um, I would I would embrace it full on if we had more power in, in a higher ed edu- education to be able to, go directly to the source and buy the product what do we don't um but it does it come as a bit of a risk as well that if you were a small av company and you go you know that the end users are able to go directly to samsung and buy this product and then see how much you're charging as commission it could fall back the opposite way as in you know, this is going to annoy a lot of the the middlemen, the the integrators, and that that. And I, I echo what Willie said. Or he um he, you brought up a point of you know the the integrator could be buying a bulk load. They have their their favorite uh, supplier, and we see that all the time. Not just as the te- the tech that people that are supporting the products in our university, but we're being told like, oh, it has to be this product all the time. But because every other school on campus is using it, and it's like, no, but we're, as Willie said, we have a school of nursing as well. We are the school of nursing. We're doing a different scenario. A good integrator would go, okay, what's your scenarios? We're going to, we're going to work with the end user. Whereas, it's, you know, it's for, as tech support, we're trying to tell these integrators, no, we don't want the trons. I, this comes up a couple of times with, uh, you know, Joe and myself on the Higher Ed AV podcast, you know, we don't want the trans. We might not even have money for the trans, but we know that this other box works for the scenario that we're in, you know, and if we can go direct, we could have, you know, it's AB is changing it all the time, Tim, where mm-hmm. the simplicity of putting in these boxes, you know, to have, you know, um, mirrorless sharing and everything, you know, I, th- I think embrace it it's going to happen i think samsung is, is the one of the first that's going to actually go down this route i say a lot more but with with caution embrace it with caution as in if it if it annoys the 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 middleman what's the middleman going to do in, in in return that that'll be very interesting and this is where um i have to divest myself from this conversation because i do indeed my day job is working for said middleman out of St. Louis and uh, we are a Samsung dealer. So uh, gentlemen, that'll be uh, all the time we have. Thank you so much. Uh, Willie uh, Franklin. Thank you, sir. How do people connect with you? 
Uh, you can reach me very easily at franklindjservices at gmail.com. All right, very good. Mr. Dawson, thank you so much for staying up late on a Friday uh, Friday evening uh, for you. How do people connect with you and your podcast? Um, it's the All Things Techie podcast, so allthingstech.ie. If you want to learn about technology and AV from an Irish perspective, me <laughs> talking about and, and ranting about the latest tech and usually having some great guests on online as well and um, i'm on the socials as well at justin or dawson is where you find me as well all right very good uh for me for tim albert do not follow me on on the twitters uh but go by the website avnation.tv that's avnation.tv you'll find this program and a host of others have brand new women in av um, the uh, state of control as well as ed tech coming down the pipeline also uh, we talked about trade shows and we are also heading to infocom the 14th through the 16th of june in orlando so you can go to buy infocomshow.org or go to buy our website and check out all the uh, coverage and stuff we actually we've already got going up so all that and more at avionation.tv that's avionation.tv thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching as all the time we have for av week Thank you.